Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the official flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site and the host of the episode. I wanted to do still a little housekeeping because next week we will be off. That's right. I am actually going on vacation and Al and I decided we are going to take off a week. So we're going to be returning in early August. Uh, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of reviews and talking about a whole bunch of cool stuff. So I hope all of you join us as we return to our regular Friday afternoon release date. But this week on episode 67, we are talking about the long-delayed, long-awaited, hotly-anticipated Black Widow. And this episode, Al Manorino is not with us this week. Uh, if you heard our last week's episode, Ryan DeMarco is getting married, and his bachelor party is this weekend. So he, Al, and our podcast editor, Lucas, are on their way to bachelor party somewhere in the United States. But I am joined by the unofficial slash official third hosts of the podcast, all the way from California, Pop Break music editor, Kat Manos. What's going on, Kat? I'm so honored to be here to talk about Black Widow, a movie that I'm sure we're going to have many, many, many things to talk about, and I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, the first female Marvel movie. <laughs> Except Captain Marvel. Was oh, there. yeah, that one, too. Wow. And of course, the melodious tones you just heard interjecting was, of course, the unofficial slash official fourth host of this podcast, Cole Rothacker. What's going on, pal? Uh, just eating sushi, as you do in California. As you do in California. So, it's like, fast food because it's very quiet. You can't hear anybody eating sushi. Yeah, but you'll be hearing oh, me slurping down stuff. Yeah, so, editing this is probably like, oh, oh god. I make I make up for it. Um, of course, like we are talking about Black Widow. Of course, this was originally uh, slated for a June 2020 release. Or sorry, May 2020 release. And just dropped, of course, due to COVID delays in early July, both on Disney Plus with Premier Access and in theaters. And the reason I bring that up first is because there's a lot of controversy about this film, not because of anything in it, but because of its impact on movie theaters. Recently, there was an article in The Atlantic uh, the writer is David Sims. The article is titled, Disney's Black Widow Gamble Didn't Pay Off. And what the main crux of this article is that the, uh, the Black Widow had a huge opening. It made $80 million at the domestic box office and another $60 million uh, via Disney Plus with that $30 premier access fee. But then last weekend... It saw a 67% drop to $26.3 million at the box office, which, according to the article, is the steepest such decline in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe brand. What the rest of the article goes on to state is that this model not only is back, not only is a two pronged problem. One, it is backfiring, in this article's opinion, backfiring for studios. And it's also hurting theatrical chains. So, guys, let's talk about this. When Al and I had talked about Black Widow, we both were like, this movie is going to run away with all the box office. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the undeniable big hit of the year. And yet, 
while doing very well, probably not doing the numbers we all kind of expected. What do you guys think of the uh, overall box office reception of Black Widow week one and week two? How much has it made so far? Um, hold on. Asking the writer to do math. Uh, according to, to this article, it's um, actually I'll look it up on Box Office Mojo because uh, that'll be more accurate. So it was basically made one hundred and forty million dollars um, for opening weekend between Disney Plus and uh, traditional movie theaters. Um, and so then it forty that includes Disney Plus. That includes yeah. Disney Plus, and then. There was no Disney Plus number posted uh, in in regards to this article, and it, Disney did not tout it, but it posted a $26.3 million box office receipt uh, this past weekend. Um, looking at a domestic gross right now of $138 million, heading into its third weekend, uh, $255 combined worldwide. So not bad for a worldwide number, but not what we're kind of used to seeing with some of the marvel stuff so i would say i think it's a few different factors going on i think one it came out right when you know i feel like everybody was feeling like this thing was kind of winding down uh but now that we've got this delta variant and cases rising i think people are now kind of more the hesitation to go out is back Mm -hmm. um i think that's definitely a factor into it i i think another thing to consider is the fact that because people haven't been going to movies in a year and a half i think for a lot of people like the habit of going to the movies like they just they've lost that habit i'm just talking about like you know there's folks like us who follow movies and like actively go out to see them but then like you know when like you're kind of regular everyday person who might go to a movie to kill time or to spend an evening with friends. I, I think a lot of that's kind of fallen out in a lot of people's like rotation of like activities to do for obvious reasons. Um, I'd say the third thing is, you know, I, I think Black Widow, I think generally it's been well received and people who are seeing it seem to like it. Um, but I also think as far as like a Marvel you know, return to theaters movie, I think it's not the one that people are necessarily going to, like, turn out to see. Um, especially given the fact that, you know, a lot of people, I think, feel this movie is long overdue or, like, they made it too late. That's what a lot of people have seemed to feel, is that they've made it too late. And it's kind of hard to argue against that because, like, she is dead in yeah, I, I have a few points I'll bring about that later because, yeah, it definitely it definitely is an odd move that your first movie in this new phase of the MCU is about a dead character from the previous yeah. phase. Yeah, and also I think a character that while most people like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people would count Black Widow as like their favorite character over like Thor or, or Iron Man or Black Panther, you know, any of those characters. Um, I think if they had like come out with like Spider-Man as their first movie out of the pandemic, it would be a whole different story. Kat, are you surprised at these numbers or this this plays for you? Well, I think it's a little weird that people are like, this is a failure. I'm like, really? 
80 million dollars in theaters and 60 million on disney plus we're also forgetting that when you buy something on disney plus like most people are in families so you're paying 30 dollars for potentially like four people like i i people keep trying to say this movie is a failure and i just don't really see it um yes it wasn't like the massive return to the theaters like we thought but like cole said like I know this is really going to depend on where you live, but in the last month in LA, we went from not having to wear masks indoors if you're vaccinated to actually, even if you are vaccinated, you do have to wear masks indoors. And people are talking about the Delta variant and cases are going up and a lot of people are hesitant to go to the movies. Also, I think it's particularly interesting that the second week drop off is like the biggest ever in in Marvel stuff. And I think it's because the people who were gonna go to the movies to see it already saw it. And the people who were never gonna go to the movies to see it probably won't. They'll just see it online or they'll ask somebody and say like, oh, can I watch it on your Disney Plus account? You know, like- So that's one of the points of the article is and that's where they come up with the studio backfire. And it and also ties into how this is affecting chains because you now have the Disney Plus aspect where you pay $30 one time. You now have it free until essentially October where it becomes free for everybody. Yeah. So you're not getting the repeat views, the double dipping, the triple dipping for people who really love it. They're not going back to the movies to see it. And even if they did see it in the theaters, and loved it they're going to go buy it on disney plus because now they can have it with them at all times yeah. that's exactly what we did yeah. we saw it in theaters and then um the next week we watched it on disney plus again yeah so like for us like we saw it at imax theater i think it was like 20 bucks each so we spent 40 dollars. but then we watched it on disney plus so that's 40 so we spent 30 dollars for that but they lost 10 dollars. and then also we let a friend of ours watch it so that's like, that's $40 that they lost just on us. Yeah, and, and another point that I think Cole alluded to, but we didn't like really specify say, is that there is no sense of urgency to see this movie with like, oh, what's happening next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I need to find out what's happening next. You're not gonna okay. find any of that. This movie is set between two Marvel movies we've already watched, so if there's any sense of weight that happens in this movie, it's not going to have like really strong bearing on where we're going in the future. Yeah. yeah. Another, I think another thing to keep in mind is it's not just this movie that had that drop off. Fast Nine had the exact same huge drop off. Second week drop off, the exact same one. Yeah. So it's not, I don't think it's really like a Mar Marvel problem or a Disney problem. It's a, it's just, this is the world right now. And yeah. People, you know, every day, like they're saying something different about the virus and people are unsure about things and no one really knows what's going on. So, and we've, and like you said, Cole, we've fallen out of the habit of going to the movies now. I love going to movies just like you guys do, but it's also a matter of, man, I could just, so to watch this movie for this podcast, what I did was on Tuesday night, I paid $30 for this and I sat in my chair and I watched it. I didn't go to the movies for it. So there was no revenue generated for the, in my local theater for popcorn or soda or candy. No, I shouldn't be eating candy. Um, is that, you know, so there was none of that. And there was no other people I brought with me. 
So I think theaters are panicking because we get into the problem with streaming is how many people, how much password sharing do people do? Yeah. A lot of people do. A lot of people will say, well, I have Disney plus, well, I'll trade you for your Netflix password or whatever. So there are a lot of people who are going to view this movie and not pay for it. So theaters are panicking and you have to wonder how studios are going to react because if they spend bazillions of dollars on this movie, like, and you're not getting the return because it's on streaming, are you making as big of a profit as you can? I think that's the issue. Do you think we stick with this model? Let's just say Delta variant turns out everything simmers down everything. We're, we're good. Let's just assume, let's assume the best for once because God, we just, have had to assume the worst for a long time. Yes. I feel like five years. Um, But that's neither here nor there. We had the whole podcast about that one time. Um, But if everything is fine, do you think studios will, like HBO Max and Disney Plus, will continue this split viewing of it, uh, of of new releases, or do you think we're going to go back to the traditional model? I think, I don't think they're going to do like what HBO Max is doing, where they're going to release Matrix 4 day and date in theaters and on HBO Max for a month. I, I don't think they're going to keep that up. But No, I don't think so either. But I do think, you know, they're going to go back to like making movies for theaters, but they're also going to start putting as much into making movies and shows for HBO Max or for Disney Plus. Like Netflix. Like Netflix is, so... Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty much they're gonna be they're gonna start diverting some of their resources into making stuff for their streaming services. I view a lot of this as really similar to what happened in book publishing maybe ten years ago. Oh. Ebooks became massive, and everyone's like, "No, this is the death of books. This is the death of bookstores. Everybody's just gonna buy things on their Kindle. This is terrible." That didn't happen. It's not going to happen. There's always going to be bookstores. There's always going to be movie theaters. They are going to change. And a lot less people are going to buy physical books. And a lot less people are probably going to physically go to the movie theater. But they'll be buying ebooks. They will be watching movies on streaming. It's just the model is shifting. The paradigm is shifting. But nothing is going to disappear. That might mean that like some big theater chains are going to downsize. Yes. But I don't think that this is like cause for massive alarm, personally. So do you think that what we saw a decrease, like uh, an unfortunate lot to COVID too, is like we saw this contraction of independent movie theaters that were showing independent film. Do you see, like, do you guys think maybe with this contraction of say like all these big chains, hey, people aren't coming out to see the Marvel movies because they can get them on Disney Plus just using this as an example. Mm-hmm. But a new like places like a new Beverly Cinema will thrive because Quentin Tarantino owns it, so he's going to put all these special features there. Or um, oh gosh, I forgot the name of the one. In yeah, uh, I just went. It like just was on my my Instagram because they redid. Um, they showed space there with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Cool. They did it in um, the Village, and I can't remember the name. It was like I want to say like Sunshine Theater or something like that. Like, do you think this could? lead to the rise or the resurgence of independent theaters showing independent movies, reissues, specialty things. I mean, my kind of hope is like now that these studios are seeing 
how successful or how not successful, I, I don't, you know, if they don't release numbers, but how well these movies are doing on streaming. Now, if they're going to like start diverting some of their resources to streaming movies, you know, my hope is like now maybe in regular movie theaters, we might start seeing more diverse selections of movies as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, you go, you go in one summer and you can go see a Jurassic Park movie or you can go see a Marvel movie or you can go see a Star Wars movie. You know, it's, it's that's been kind of everything that's been dominating the multiplexes for the last 10 years or so. But, you know, Warner Brothers, like they're now developing a bunch of big properties for HBO Max. Like they're doing a Batgirl movie for HBO Max and they're really? doing... Yeah, and they're doing oh, a movie for HBO Max and a Green Lantern series. So, you know, my hope is like now, like if they're going to start diverting some of that stuff to streaming, maybe hopefully we could start seeing a resurgence of mid-level budget movies, movies for adults, yeah, that sort of thing. So you're talking like X-rated films. That's what you want to bring. This is why we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> But also, I also brought this up. Al and I spoke about this probably a year ago, almost a year ago, that like Amazon was looking to buy. So Amazon was picking up some theaters, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, like, are we going to see these big conglomerates buying theater chains or buying individual movie theaters uh, throughout select areas and using it for as like limited release for their streaming movies, making them themed. So if, say, Disney owns, since we're talking Disney, like Disney owns a couple a movie theater in New York, and that's where you're going to see all the vault stuff, and it's going to be restored, and, like, here's Cinderella, the 100-year anniversary of Cinderella, and they make it an event. Like, I could see that happening as well. Well, yeah. I can tell you that's already happening. Cole and I went to the Egyptian here in L.A. It was in Hollywood, purchased by Netflix. We saw The Irishman in theaters. Really? At the- because netflix owns the theater is there an el capitan theater yeah yes there is okay that's the one i saw i didn't see the egyptian i saw el capitan and the movie that was playing there was that um college road trip with martin lawrence and raven simone i have a picture the only time it was in la for 24 hours that's the movie they were playing owns that theater now yeah they they pretty much just show disney movies interesting I went to the premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest when I was in junior high. Which one, which one is, is that Pirates 3? It's the second one. It's the second one. You were in junior high when that movie came out. I was yes. like in middle school. Yeah, that's the same thing. Oh. Jesus Christ. I was employed as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I had a job, sir. <laughs> Oh, 2006? Well, I was in high school then. I was in middle school. Yeah. I was I making $35,000 a year working in a bar <laughs> magazine. Uh, it's never a podcast where I can't feel my age. Uh, so do we think, like, this article, which is talking about, like, theater chains were also quoting this article, be like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Do we think this is a lot of, just a lot of people fearing for, the like, is this a lot of overreaction theater or do we see that this model Disney is employing, which we'll see it employing with Jungle Cruise, which only I'm excited for at the end of this month. Um, 
it is going to backfire on them or you know warner brothers is going to feel the pain when it's coming for all the like the many saints of newark which is getting a lot of like people are interested in, even me who's never watched the sopranos because mm-hmm. i have hbo in the 90s um do you think this is going to backfire on them or, or is this a lot of panic from people who are like ah my industry is going to get really hit by this i personally feel like it's a lot of panic and i also think it's a lot of movie theaters realizing like oh, now we have to like really try and get people to the theater. Maybe we need to improve our experience. Oh no, we might have to make more comfortable seats. We might have to, I don't know, clean up the fucking theater because every time I go into like an AMC, it always looks like there was just an incident where everything is all over the floor. I'm like, what? (laughs) I don't even understand. Everything's sticky. Yes, everything uh, is sticky and like the cup holders are like falling apart and you're always in like the squeakiest chair that ever happened. Um, yeah. You could feel the coils in the back of it, like in your lumbar. You're like, ah, oh, this is yeah. going to suck later. Um, improve some of that stuff and make the, the movie theater experience like nice, comfortable. Or what it originally was way back in the day. Yeah. Think about it. What movie theaters you see in like the old timey movies or cartoons, like how movie or movie palaces, they were movie theaters that were just like, it's like going to a theater. Yeah. It wasn't just going to an auditorium. That's just like, or I was like a college bar. It's like, you know, <clears throat> a room with alcohol. There's no character to it. It's just, here's yeah. a room we show a movie at. Good luck sitting next to everyone. And it's either four degrees in the summer or 5,000 degrees in the winter. You're, yeah. you're welcome for the flu um you know they they got to improve the experience i agree yeah but let's get into the movie at hand and one of the big questions we've already talked about and i feel like we can't talk about this movie without talking about its place in the mcu is the first film of the mcu the main character is dead and it is essentially to me feels really weird that that's what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're not putting, we're taking a film that takes place, like Kat already mentioned, between Civil War and I'll just say the Infinity, Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah, just because I was going to use another individual film. And I'm like, ah, I can't think. Um, we're doing that. But we, so we already know the fate of our, our main character. And we are heading into this adventure, which is also serving, as we saw in the end credits, to set up a Hawkeye film in a scene that filmed like it was filmed three weeks ago. Uh, and am I the only one who thinks that this is just it, it's just this is the an odd way to start the MCU. And this should have happened maybe five, six years ago instead of now. Anyone can answer that. I'm just throwing it out there. It, I would say, like, the biggest criticism I have of Black Widow is that it just would have been so much more powerful and interesting and meaningful if it had come out after Civil War. Like, I just, there would have been stakes. It would have been really interesting. Um, You could have done a lot of interesting stuff. I do feel like the movie was a little too late and I'm someone who, you know, Black Widow has never been like really my favorite character and we've only really heard her backstory kind of 
mentioned in passing in like Joss Whedon films. So it's always like dripping yeah. with some like weird sexism. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wish it had come out sooner. I feel like it would have had more weight. Um, but you know, that being said, I, I did enjoy it despite it not really fitting. I do think it's really odd that, that technically wasn't, is this the very first movie in like phase five or? Four. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The Spider-Man movie isn't? No, that was that the last the one. postscript for phase three. I also feel like that was a bad ending thing, but yeah, it's it's very odd. It's it's really weird. I, I almost feel like the beginning of this news phase was really in the Marvel TV shows. Uh, it yeah. was like like WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's just yeah, I found it weird because like WandaVision dealt with the trauma of and fallout of yeah. Infinity War, as did um, as did Falcon and Winter Soldier. Now, Loki took place, you know, post Avengers one, but mm-hmm. that it was directly all timey wimey, affecting other timelines, which is affecting this part, which like makes sense. They're playing with time, but this was just kind of like, and I feel like this was my biggest problem with the film. It's like we gave Black Widow a character people like her own solo film, but we they didn't want to commit too much to her because they can't go any further with her else they make her a scrawl. And so it was like, she played backseat. She was in a backseat position for the majority of the film. I felt like till the end where they needed her to be the hero. She's the hero. And then it's like, Oh yeah, but you all know she dies. So like, that's cool. Like, and it's like, let's hope now little sister is going to go be in Hawkeye. And you're like, that's the thing like that that just kind of took me out. Like Kat, you were saying there didn't feel like there were stakes in this movie. That and that sucks because like and it also felt like because she took a backseat, I'm like, she's like a cool assassin spy and she did wasn't doing any cool assassin spy stuff. Like you were thinking of like a born movie or something like that. That's what I felt like going into it. I'm like, ah, this is more like we're this is more of an ensemble at times, which the ensemble's great and we're gonna get into them. But I felt like we were just like something, there was a puzzle piece missing and I feel like it's just because it was put in at the wrong time. Cole, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I pretty much agree. I, I just, I feel like, you know, whatever happened in this movie, it, it, it has like the air of, well, I guess it is a prequel, but it has like that same problem a lot of prequels have where you watch it and you're like, well, we already kind of know what happens after that. So this is really just, this is just filling time. And that's mainly what this does. I guess it sets up a few new characters that I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing more of in the, in the near future. Um, but as far as like a Black Widow movie goes, it's, you know, I, I agree, but I, I feel like she is kind of like a passive not passive but like she is kind of overshadowed by a lot of the other characters that show up throughout the movie and then you know she's at the end and she it then becomes more her movie but it it feels disjointed that way let me complicate the title of the movie for a second is the movie called black widow because it's about natasha or it's because it's about the black widow program which is now spawning 
a new character, which will be throughout the MCU, played by Florence Pugh. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a sequel to this movie called Black Widow, but now Florence Pugh is Black Widow. Yeah, it kind of seems like it's that sort of, it's like a legacy title. Yeah. But maybe I'm the only person who feels this way, but kind of at the end of the movie, all I could think about was like, wow, you could choose like any superhero persona and you choose the name of the program that made you into like a child weapon and yeah. they like removed your uterus and oh, the God. program is run by basically like a version of Harvey Weinstein. Like, like I, uh, I, I, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't, you know what? I didn't think that until you said it. I'm like, well, that's fairly accurate. Yeah, Alleged. Alleged. Why would you choose that as your persona? I would be like, I'd be like, fuck this Black Widow program. My name is Superhero Girl or something. Like, I I, I don't know. I just thought that was so odd. Like, literally, is, is the name Black Widow on her tombstone? No, it says Natasha. No, it says Avenger, but it has the... Oh, oh but the symbol is there. The symbol. Yeah. That's what it was. Her brand logo, her IP logo. It's our IP logo for sure. A logo that everybody else in the program has. Yeah. It's weird. Well, let's let's talk about the late. So let's talk about the cast. Let's talk about the late the new addition who we now know, thanks to her association with one of my new favorite Marvel characters, Val, played by Julie Louis Dreyfus, who this was originally supposed to be her introduction to the MCU, because this she was about this was supposed to come out before Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, at least I think so. Yeah. And the character is Yelena Belova played by uh, Florence Pugh, to me, stole the entire film. I, I just felt was hilarious and heartbreaking. And there's actually a line that uh, Rachel Weisz's character says to Scarlett Johansson. She says, how did you keep your heart? And I'm like, I don't feel that she did. I felt the one character with the heart was Yelena, who's literally crying multiple times in this film. Um she was, um, I love her in this role because like there are people who do Russian accents and you're like, holy shit, dude, this is, you are straight out of a cartoon, brother. And she nailed it. Um, I love her running commentary on the, the poses that Scarlett Johansson's character has. And overall, I think this is a character I am highly invested in, probably more than most other of the new Marvel characters outside of probably what's going to happen with Loki um going down the line and i'm excited to see what happens with this hawkeye series she's going to be in it we've got Haley steinfeld in it um i have to reference this because i'll be mad if i don't pizza dog is going to be in it okay. al loves animals with pizza so here there you go that's hawkeye's dog in the comic yeah but confirmed i believe that's going to be in the show too yeah so what do you guys think of Florence Pugh in this role? I mean, the last time we saw her was, uh, I think it was Little Women, and now here she is playing um, an assassin. Yeah, I like her a lot. I think she's excellent in Little Women. I think she's excellent in Midsummer. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, she's really good at it. Those are the only two movies I've seen her in, but she was excellent in both. And I saw her. I going into this one to see her in it. Um, maybe not as excited as Zach Braff, but <laughs> I saw her in a really bad movie. 
it was a Netflix movie called Outlaw King with uh, Chris Pine, where he plays Robert the Bruce. It's the oh. quasi Braveheart sequel. Yes. She's in a wrestling movie, Bill. She plays Paige, I know, and I still haven't watched it. Like, I, I'm a very bad moviegoer for not seeing it. I heard she's actually, I heard she's great in it. It's mm-hmm. called Fighting With My Family. Yes, yeah, we, we stand. We stand Florence Pugh in this house. She is, like, she has the best frown I've ever seen. Like, she just does such a good frowny face. And I think she's really charismatic and really funny. And just like her delivery and her tone. I love that you mentioned um, like her like self-awareness with the poses and like kind of shitting on Black Widow about it. I actually read that that was actually something that Florence Pugh had like really brought to the set. Like the stunt people were telling her like, okay, you're gonna jump now. And then you get to like choose a pose you wanna do. And Florence Pugh's like, oh God, I don't have to do that, right? We all know the poses are stupid, right? And the writer of the movie was on set. He's like, oh, that's going in the script. So I love that she's bringing like that type of energy to these movies. I totally agree. She stole the show. I think this movie, as much of as it being a prequel for Black Widow or Natasha, it's really an origin story for Yelena. Yeah. Um, also, I got really strong... Um, orphan black vibes from her performance which is great because what's her face is going to be in she-hulk so it's like yes so it's all coming for it's all coming together by the way if you want a good tatiana maslani performance watch perry mason not the best show but she's great in it um that was an hbo last summer i love the fact that it's also she is given some really bad lines of humor like the clunky Marvel lines and she just she just kind of owns it that it's bad and she just goes with it. Like the vest lines with the pockets, like yeah, that exactly. should not have worked at all. <laughs> but it did. But she, she made it work. And uh, speaking of uh, characters with bad comedic lines, David Harbour playing only the role David Harbour can play, the blustery dad, AKA the Bill Bodkin role. <laughs> he plays uh, Alexi, uh, whatever, I don't know, can't pronounce the last name, aka the Red Guardian, who is a super a super soldier from the Black Widow program, who's uh, from, not the Black Widow program, but he is in line with the general who creates the Black Widow program, who keeps saying that he uh, fought Captain America in the 80s, which we kind of know is a bold bunch of crap, but he is the quasi-father figure for these two. What did you guys think of the Red Guardian? Was he, I've seen some people like, oh, it's just like Russian Hopper. You know, he's a little over the top here. To me, I thought it was the perfect bit of dundering Falstaffian comic relief that this film needed. Uh, what did you guys think about uh, the Red Guardian? Cole, I'm going to start with you since you also have a beard much like the Red Guardian. You're yeah. actually my Red Guardian, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Much I, more capable, I think. But you know, I, I didn't think he... He didn't really remind me of Hopper that much. I think that's yeah. that's kind of a lazy comparison to make. Well, listen, if anyone's making a lazy comparison, this guy. <laughs> I, uh, I say, I say uh, he's like Hopper because he's a dad who doesn't know how to be a dad, essentially. Right. Yeah. And he makes these really ham-fisted, especially the part where he says, my father peed on my hands. And that yeah. was his 
big dramatic like here's my point and he and just like wow i'm just like yeah but that didn't that didn't land too well and trust me i've had a couple that didn't land too well moments trying to cope with my help my daughter cope with sadness yeah anyway um no but like i i, I felt like it was like a much more comedic character in general and but also like there was there's like a kind of like a pathetic quality to him which I guess you could say for Hopper, but Hopper's like more sad and tragic given his yes. backstory. Mm-hmm. But Red Guardian's kind of more like it's sad, but like in a more kind of pathetic way, kind of an endearing way. Um, I, I thought he was great. He, he was, you know, for me, he was like second to Florence Pugh and kind of, you know, those were the kind of two characters I really zeroed in on. Um, I did think it, it was you know, I think Marvel kind of hit this note with like Thor in in, in Infinity or uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. and um, he's also very similar to Peter B. Parker in uh, Spider Verse, which I know Sony <laughs> made, but it just yeah. seems yes. like, it just yeah. seems like right now there's like you know someone somewhere is like oh like people like sad fat dads so we should make yeah. our superhero character why why am i not more popular is the, the, the question <laughs> dad bod superheroes who can't do get the job done here we go yeah I, but but speaking of that like going with that his fight with the taskmaster mass map cool taskmaster i almost called the peacemaker for some reason <laughs> going back to a really random george clooney nicole kidman film um which was not good uh his fight kind of i thought very underwhelming it's just like he got his ass kicked out i'm like i would have liked to seen him do something i I saw someone make this point and they really kind of had a missed opportunity there because he's talking about how he fought captain america which is obviously fake but you know with taskmaster being a character that can copy the moves of any character this could have been like his moment to actually kind of fight captain america but they don't really do that. I also thought he was going to die because remember he said you should uh, the, like something about sacrificing themselves. Like the parents show is like should sacrifice themselves for a the child. I'm like, oh, he's going to die saving yeah. himself for the, the kid for one of the characters. I'm like, that would make sense. But in the end, he like kind of just. Well, they also immediately undercut that with a joke. Yeah. Like yeah. Most- things does i i really i liked the character a lot the idea of the character i don't know anything about the comics but i like the idea of russia trying to do their own captain america program and then just having like one super soldier and being like actually just kidding can you just like go be a secret spy like i i I like that and i like that he was like so annoyed by it and He's like, get me out back in the field. Like, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, he kind of reminds me of Mr. Incredible when they're in the uh, yeah. When in Ohio. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it's almost like Mr. Incredible when he's trying, another sad dad, trying to, you yeah. know, put on about 50 to 60 yeah. and try yeah. to put a suit on. Yeah. So yeah. So really, the emphasis on the dad bot, it really is happening right now. Um, I got to take, I got to take a win somewhere. Yeah, but part of me thinks, I don't know, I'm curious what you guys think. Part of me feels like they didn't have him have a real fight with Taskmaster or be like a real hero because he's not really a hero in the movie. Like him and Rachel Weiss, from my opinion, are like low-key villains. Um, they're both very terrible people who 
yes, kind of redeem themselves, sort of, but they're really just redeeming themselves. Because they're, like, guilted into it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, he he doesn't... I, I would be really surprised if he, like, came back in future movies and was, like, a hero in any capacity. Because... Oh, no. Like, really selfish. No. Rachel Weiss was, like, a sociopath. Like, low-key, low like, torturing pigs. Like, we don't need that. They just seemed, like, not really great people. But... But we think of them as better people than they are because they're funny and they help our heroes at a certain point. But I also feel like that they're kind of just not very heroic. Well, they become less self-involved by the end, and that's kind of their arc. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like, yeah, that see, that's the thing, Kat, when you're talking about stakes, and I think that's another thing to dismiss. Like, remember how there's a line about um that Ray Winstone's character says, uh Drakeoff says to uh Black Widow says, oh, your tortured past, your tortured legacy. We never really felt, I, at least I never felt that Natasha was really that tortured by blowing up the kid. Like that, she was just like, part of the job, brother. You know, it's like, kind of feel bad. I'll say sorry to to the taskmaster and, and set her free. So it was like, I felt like with him, at least with Red Guardian, especially when he saw um, Florence Pugh's character cry I yeah. felt like he really was like, because remember he picks up when she drops her My Little Pony, he yeah. picks it up and holds it. Yeah. So I felt like he was just like, you know, being that blustery, like, uh, that was bullshit. I didn't, those three years were awful when they really weren't. Yeah. And I don't think we got the time to see that. And I think the fact he went in to talk to her, to me, made it feel like, oh, no, he actually cares. Mm-hmm. I just felt like for his character to be fully redeemed, he had to die. And yeah. if he had to die by like having his glorious moment against the Taskmaster, where he actually, you know, got a couple punches in, he tried really hard, but in the end, him taking, like, say, like, uh, like she was going to shoot uh, Milena or, or Natasha, and he stepped in front of it and took the bullet, right. like, to me, would have been like, oh, no, he didn't care. Mm-hmm. And he, he, it meant he, he was the hero there. For once in his life, he was the hero. Right. Whereas the Rachel Vice character, like we kind of saw it a little bit, but not really. Like it was like when she was helping Natasha, but it was like the only really? time we saw it, I felt like humanity with her was like when she was like essentially saying, she's like, listen, you got fat, Red Guardian, but you know what? I'm still a warm for your form. You know, <laughs> the kids weren't here. Like that part, I was just like, give me this Disney Plus series. I want to see this. <laughs> This rom-com happened, but let's talk about Rachel Weisz, Oscar winner. I thought it's a tale of two performances. It's like the first part, she's like really great in the beginning. And then the second part, they just were like, you have to be robotic. Yeah. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity, except she threw a sweet Hurricane Rana on the Taskmaster to get her in the cell. <laughs> Only for me. I popped huge for that. So what do you guys think about Rachel Weisz's uh, Milena character? Here? I thought... I thought she was okay. I thought like, you know, she's obviously a great actress, so she plays the character well. I just I felt like the character was kind of underwritten. Like yeah. I I was confused why she helped them at all. Like I I don't really understand like what they did to like like she didn't seem to have like a come to Jesus moment like the to use that like, phrase because I was about to use it like five times throughout this podcast. So I'm glad you yeah. did it first. Yeah, I uh you know, I I think I mean, Natasha says, like, she's 
a coward i think or or something yes mm-hmm. and then and then and then she's also like oh like i didn't really know like what all this stuff i was doing like what i was for like yeah what a dumbass yeah like, what did you think was happening it, it, it's strange well, credulity. well well i think like what they didn't what was missing there was there there was key pieces like that family dinner scene i feel like is like there was 20 minutes of that scene that should have been included for a little exposition Jones here or something like the thing they didn't really hammer home was that Milena was the original black widow and everything has been ripped out of her. And she's so brainwashed by Drakov mm-hmm. that she's like stuck in this system. And yeah. I thought that's what they were kind of getting at when he was talking to Rachel Weiss, who was really Scarlett Johansson. I thought that's what they're getting at, but they never really dug into that. And that's the shame is like, and even with uh, Natasha's, you know, relationship with the family, how she's like, you're not my family. And like the pain that was caused by that betrayal, I never thought they dug into it enough. It's like, let's get to action. The typical kind of Marvel stuff is like, let's get into the action, screw the emotion. Whereas the TV show is the other way. It's just like, let's really dig into emotion here, guys. We'll get to the action. Don't worry. But we're really going to make you cry. Um, that was my problem with it because I felt like there's a lot of rich stuff you could mine from here, but they didn't get to it. Yeah. I think it's, it's really funny. You mentioned like, Oh, this scene, like I want to see that Disney plus series. I have to admit, I was really, really digging the beginning of the movie when they're in the nineties. I was like, this is great. Like I I want to see these two people. And I, I love the Americans. I was just going to say that. It's basically the Americans. He's kind of like, I like the idea that he's the muscle and she's like the brains doing all the science and stuff. And they have these two kids. One of the kids understands what's going on. The other one has no idea. It creates such an interesting dynamic. That that could have been the whole movie. Yes. Yeah, honestly, they could have been in the 90s the whole time. Which is... I would have been really happy. Cole, which is wild that your Mr. Incredible thing is because if you look at how he's dressed... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's, he's... What is it? It's, what's uh, Mr. Incredible's first name? Uh, Bob. He's Bob Parr. He's, he's, he's wearing... He has the suit. It's like he's completely out of his element. And, like, you're right, Kat. Like, that was one of the best parts. The part where he's on the wing of the plane shooting at the cops to that i was like this is lit yeah it's just like he they're fighting for their i felt like they were more in in, involved with the family even though they had the mission they cared for the kids yeah and then they made the hard the hard turn i was gonna say the hard left and i'm pointing my finger my hand right you know (laughs) directions guys yeah yeah it's it's really interesting i i do feel like it, it this is what happens with like ensemble movies you get really attached to like certain characters, but you can't really dive too much into it because as much as it would have been great to hear more about like the Red Guardian and you know his relationship with Rachel Weiss, it, this is supposed to be Black Widow's movie. So like they were in it an appropriate amount, but it left me wanting more and wishing that, oh, instead of focusing on this time between these two movies where we kind of already know what happens yeah. why don't we go farther back and we see the basically a show that's a version of the americans but they're superheroes yeah as, as much as i liked red guardian i also feel like i needed more context for his character because we don't because like when we meet him he's like in undercover mode and i 
feel like it would have been more interesting to see like what was him, his job him go from a superhero to an undercover person i'm also really curious like how he has superpowers because the, the fact that he has that he's a super soldier and it seems like they were successful kind of in a really big way undercuts captain america because like the whole point of that character is like they developed the super soldier serum for him and then the scientist died and he died mm-hmm. like with the serum like it but, down but so we, the fact that they're able to give david harbour somehow they figured it out that to me is like a huge that has huge implications that seem to like have that don't though what, what were you but, gonna say? but we but we kind of addressed that in captain america uh, falcon and winter soldier remember there's the, the one character was a super soldier they were testing on him and he was during Vietnam. Right. Yeah. So let's replicate it. It's been replicated again, but you, I see what you're saying because it's like, okay, if the Russians, which I always think of Bernie Green, the Russians, really, is just like the Russians got it. Why would they make one? Yeah, and then not even use them. Yeah, and then they're going to make him an, a, a spy. And, and then they put him in jail. Like, Why? Yeah, there's there there's a lot of plot holes there, and it's just like I, I wish there was something more there that could explain a whole bunch of it. Because like, yeah, I didn't say why they put him in jail though. It's because he like was kind of giving commentary on like the 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 party, the communist party, saying like we should improve this, and they're like, I eh, just put you in jail. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I don't know. Like, I don't really understand that. Like, it seemed that was. It sounds like they just didn't like him, but like, why? I like it would have almost been cool if they had revealed somehow he had been trying to get the girls out. Like, yeah. like that would have been cool because then it'd been like, oh no, hey, I was in jail because I tried getting you out, and they found me trying to do it, and I, I, they, it was like they jailed me because you know for what you know they just threw me, I got caught, and so they. They threw me in Siberia where yeah. I can never be found, which I don't know why they wouldn't put a bullet in him, but like, you know, maybe whatever, but that's neither here nor there. That was another thing. He was in jail, but it seemed like, I mean, I guess he's like in the middle of nowhere, but it seems like he could have easily broken out of there anytime because he had no problem taking out those guards and getting out. I yeah, guess he, he would He didn't want to, I think. I think he would rather, like, be in jail and make up these, like, glory days. It, it seemed like he was low-key running the place. Yeah, I guess, but that, but again, like, I, I feel like we, we don't get enough context for that. I also think another thing that we haven't explicitly said that I feel is that they didn't want to give him too big of a part because... From my perspective, I think that this was supposed to be a female-led movie, and yeah. I don't think they wanted to have like any sort of man save the day. And he didn't really save the day in any no. way. The women were saving him. They they uh they were originally gonna have Tony Stark cameo in this, and they they axed it for exactly that reason. Yeah, Make yeah. Sense. I mean, I think the ending. What I like talking about positives because we all like this movie we're just talking about like some stuff that i think could have made it better is yeah it was it was the natasha and melena show and they and and Valena. they were great they saved the day you know and like i think that's this is the, that was the best part of the natasha role for me 
the moment I will not forget that I love is when she figures she's like, sever the nerve. And she just starts breaking her own nose on a desk. And she's like, because I'm smarter than you. And I figured all this out. Yeah. And it's just like, I love that moment because I felt like that was when they finally let Scarlett Johansson like, you know what, just have fun with this scene. Because she was so stoic and so like, like just kind of playing it straight and narrow. And they just let her have fun with it. And I just thought she was so awesome in it. And then like they let her just like, hey, just go run and just be an action star. And she she owned that role. And I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the movie overall, despite like some of these criticisms I'm talking about. Sure. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm I'm gonna be honest, I, I liked it uh, a lot more than Captain Marvel, which I understand Love was supposed to be like the you know the first female-led marvel movie like such a big deal as much as i completely love brie larson and think she's like so cool and really talented i don't think that they handled her character very well but that whole movie just felt found in yeah it, uh, I, I, I have to say so i can't comment because i haven't seen it because you know historically on this podcast i'm very behind on the cinematic universe yes but um, so why do you, so why do you, so just going off that cat, like you're saying you like this a lot more than, than Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Why, why though? Because like we saw like Captain Marvel, like from what I know, very front and center of this movie. We just said, you know, Natasha took a, a back seat here. Yeah. Why do you like this movie more than Captain Marvel? I'm very curious for that. Um, I will, uh, I, th- it's a bunch of different things. Um, this is like such a very small thing, but Captain Marvel also takes place in the 90s. Yes. Um, 1995, specifically, they both do. Uh, seventh grade for me. <laughs> you guys born yet? Just yeah. me feel We're both born. Good. I was like in pre-K. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> so you were my daughter's age in 95. Yeah, That's... a little bit younger, maybe. Um, so so they, they take place, at least part of Black Widow takes place during the same time. Um, but in Black Widow, it doesn't feel so hokey. It feels like real, like this is like a real thing. Meanwhile, in Captain Marvel, like, like no doubt is playing on the jukebox and someone references Nirvana and there's well, a They did play a Nirvana song in this movie though. Yes, but I, I- Which was very cool, a very cool cover, I have to admit. I, I was into it, I, I allowed it. It's just like, it felt less heavy handed. It's such a small thing, but right. more so, I think I really like the characters surrounding Black Widow. I like the story. It felt a lot smaller in a weird way. Like this felt like a small movie. Yeah, um, I see that. Which, which I really liked and Captain Marvel is really weird. Also, there are several things in Captain Marvel that are treated as like a twist, like, whoa, and then this is really what's happening. But the whole movie, I was like, this isn't a twist. Like, this is what I assumed was happening. It's just very odd. Um, The the script for Captain Marvel was just pretty poor. Yeah, this had a better script. I think the action scenes are better, though. Um, there were a couple of, like scenes that were like, action scenes that like actually legit maybe because I was extremely tired that day. I had like a, almost like a jump scare that came out of nowhere for me. I was like, oh god, what what would like when the taskmaster first hit? I should have known 
when it hit oh, the dash. Yeah. I'm like, I should have known that was coming, but it did. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? Yes, it's something else we felt, at least I did the first time I saw it. This movie is like, feels very visceral and violent. Yeah. There was, like, people are getting like stabbed in their stomach. Like women are getting stabbed and oh. Bombs and cars. I was like, "Whoa, this is like a lot." That like, first fight scene where she kill, where uh, Melina kills that girl. Yes. The other, the, I'm not girl, woman. That uh, I, that was so like, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's really yeah. brutal." Yeah, it was a lot, and, and I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but it was like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I I also just feel like it, it's a couple of different things. It's hard to say if you haven't seen captain marvel but some things are just the, the way the story plays out like i said some things are supposed to be like reveals or twists but i feel like they're very obvious and they're not really twists at all and this movie like doesn't really have that it's they do at one point but it's i think it's it's clever with the the face reveal yeah that yeah. was that was done really because you're just like you're sitting there i'm like i'm just like the hell is he talking about he's like the girl he raised me like, yeah like valena's been in it the whole time and then i'm like oh my oh shit like i like the fact they didn't do too many twists and turns and it was like that was it and i thought that was really well done yeah and it also makes sense to be in that movie because that like ripping off your face and revealing is straight out of mission impossible oh, and this God movie bless. definitely tapped into mission impossible tapped into james bond they literally like show a james bond movie at one point like it yes. felt like a straight up spy thriller meanwhile the genre of captain marvel i don't know what genre that is space movie like i but even then it's not like i have no idea what genre this is meanwhile this is like clearly a spy thriller or like espionage um yeah i just i generally just enjoyed it more yeah, it's like I, this is the type of movie like I'm gonna go back to a few times. I think it's it's just super fun to just to watch, even though it's like not fun, quote unquote. But yeah. it's a big action movie I can go back to. I like the Taskmaster ripping through towns, just like they're just gonna drive through cars, obviously crushing people to death. Yes. And you're like, ah, you just you felt it. It felt the, like you said, it felt more visceral than other Marvel movies where, you know, there's destruction and chaos, but it feels very synthetic a lot of the times. Or it's like, oh, that's obviously CGI, like, oh, whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about what this movie sets up and what we would like to see. So obviously, Natasha, I mean, Cole, correct me if I'm wrong. Ain't no more Natasha, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they could bring her back i don't like well, that's not true you do know how they could bring her back well it's a scrawl thing yeah or the loki series yeah, there's there's I, different universes there, yeah yeah there's universes which she's alive i don't think they'll do that no it but... doesn't really make any sense i don't i, I don't see how like a scroll could work because that would mean like a that meant a scroll died in her place an end game? No, yeah. I just meant someone like impersonates her as a scroll. If scrolls can do that, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I mean they can. They can. Um, again, like I don't know though. The whole idea of secret invasion is that they took the place of certain characters at a certain point, and that would have meant that you know a scroll would have taken her place before she died on Voromir. And, but then if she did die in Voromir, she would have been revealed to have been a scroll because they just 
revert to their true form when they die. Yeah. The only thing I could see her coming back in is like a dream sequence. For like Banner, if we see him again, or oh, for Melina. will show up somewhere, but yeah, I don't know if they'll resurrect her. Probably. Yeah. I, I would guess we're much more likely to see Scarlett Johansson again than I think we would see like Robert Downey Jr. again or something else. Oh, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I've, I think we might get Robert Downey Jr. in that Ironheart show. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Because in the comics, the girl's AI is Tony. Well, we'll only hear him. We won't see him. I don't know. I, I just feel like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are like capital D done with Marvel. I yeah. would guess that Scarlett Johansson would come back for something if it was meaningful. That's I agree. Do you think so? Obviously, we're going to see this Hawkeye series. How do we? So we have this end credit sequence. Are you guys excited to see the Melina character go on? And where would you like to see her go in this MCU? Because there's been different talks about maybe her ending up in Young Avengers. Do you think she's going to be the big bad of, of Hawkeye? And she doesn't really get out of that series. What do you guys, uh, Cole, I'll start with you. What do you, where do you want to see Florence Pugh's character go from here? As now, especially she's working with Val and we're going to assume working with the U.S. agent, a.k.a. Kurt Russell time traveling because that's not his son. That's just Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd really kind of just like to see her pick up where Natasha left off and just like it'd be cool to see her become an Avenger or maybe she'd be a young Avenger, although I think she's a little old. She's a, probably a little bit too old for that. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like Julia Louis Dreyfus is kind of putting together a Dark Avengers team or a Thunderbolts team. Thunderbolts, that was what it was. That's yeah, right. yeah. So I don't know. Like we might see her there. That would kind of mean she's on like a villain team, and I don't really want to see her on a villain team. I feel like she's pretty, you know, a heroic character. So I, I don't really want to see her doing that. Um, that would be what I don't want to see. Uh, I'd I'd like to see her, you know, meet the other Avengers and meet sam and bucky and thor and the guardians and spider-man and all those characters it'd be great to see her interact with all of them okay what about you yeah i agree i would be bummed if she she became like a villain i i just want clarification with this val character i feel like i wasn't sure in falcon winter soldier and i'm definitely not sure now like is she supposed to be a villain? Is she good? I, I, you know, I don't know. She's a character in the comics. I think she's like Nick Fury's love interest at one point. Oh, give me that MCU rom-com. Samuel that. L. Jackson, Julia with Louis Dreyfus. Let's <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Kevin Feige. You know where the money's gonna be printed for that. Yeah, that would be lit. That yeah, it's just when when she was first introduced, I was like, okay, she kind of because obviously she's like teaming up with this like bad U.S. agent character. She must not be good. And then here we are, we see her like she's not really lying about Hawkeye being responsible for killing Natasha, but she's like definitely removing massive context from the situation. Um, I, I hope that in the Hawkeye show, Lawrence Pugh meets everybody there's big fight something and then they just do what I 
wish more superheroes did uh, sit down and have a conversation and clarify maybe a few things like hey what they did in this movie yes yeah i love that i thought that was a great scene i completely agree i completely agree um yeah i'm i'm so down for like florence Pugh to be like the new black widow for for lack of better naming i think she's awesome i like that character and she could kind of do whatever she wants um i'm i'm guessing that she was snapped it would seem weird if she wasn't snapped and natasha didn't reach out to her in those five years someone's trying to there was something i saw recently where they're saying like somehow she was involved in infinity war and we didn't see her on screen or something like that some wild theory i don't know if it's gonna play or not but um i i like what you're saying i like like i think she will be the unwitting um like she'll be the antagonist not the villain yeah uh because she'll be you know the whole mission is you have to kill Hawkeye because he killed uh, Natasha, which is like, well, I didn't know that, but okay. Um, yeah. So I'll fill myself in later on that. But it's just like, okay, but then they're going to figure out like, hey, something happened and they'll all end up working together somehow. And mm-hmm. I feel like she'll have a, given the way she's been written, she could be a, she could kind of be the Tony Stark type character to whoever the Captain America character of the new, well, saying like this. Where she's more of that verbal, sarcastic, you know, like one line machine, but also like kind of a hothead in conflict with the leader because whereas Natasha was more of like the, the soldier in a lot of ways, because that's kind of what her character is. She's very, she has a better presence. She's a little more charismatic than the Natasha character was in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Also, this is such a small thing, but I really like that we see her physically bleed like we see her injured we see her getting aspirin that's right yeah a gas station after and talking about it and like being in pain and you're reminded like oh yeah she's just a person who has like spy training but like she is vulnerable she can die um and for me the biggest stakes in the movie of like, oh no, I hope this person doesn't die is when she seemingly sacrifices herself, but luckily survives. Oh, At the yeah. end of the movie, I was like, no, 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 don't, don't kill Florence Pugh. Normally I should be thinking that like, oh no, don't kill Natasha. But because we already know that outcome, yeah. they have to pass that off to her. But yeah, I'm psyched for wherever she pops up in the MCU next. And what about... Um fake mom and dad do we see them again down the road or are we are they going to be limited to a potential black widow sequel film or can you guys see them popping up on any of the series or any of the other movies so cole I'll start with you because uh, you have a little more uh david harbour show up again um i think rachel weiss is i feel like she's like a little bit harder to get to commit to a franchise and to like you know appear in falcon and winter soldier and some other movie you know we might see her again but i honestly don't know why we would i don't really know unless they're showing her like kind of running her own uh progressive widow program now um yeah that's the thing I, that was my next question is like are they now involved with the widows the new thing because i could see them making a widow's tv show Were they gonna like they're uh, avenging you know elite force that goes to right wrongs around the world now 
yeah, I, it, it's possible. It's uh, again, I just I feel like I feel like I can't see Rachel Weiss like committing to things like that. But I'm I sure see... it's in her contract, Cole. It's in all their contracts. Well, You're in one Marvel movie, and they're like, we can um put you, we could CGI you into any future. I mean, film. they brought Ross back after how long? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, and I was just like, I, I don't know if they needed him so much. Um, but he's better than Hayward. I mean, I don't know. I I just feel like she there's different there's like certain Marvel characters where it's like, okay, they got a big actor to play this character, but it's clear they could only get them to play this this character once. Jake Gyllenhaal, for example. Yeah. I I don't think we're gonna see Jake Gyllenhaal again or or, I don't know, maybe a cameo, but yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like she shows up because one of them needs like some sort of science thing and they run into her for like an episode or five minutes in a movie or something like that yeah she's like a behind the scenes like in the lab person to me yeah but again like that if i feel like i don't think rachel weiss is gonna like do that you know that seems like such a waste of using her oh yeah no i don't disagree i just feel like if they're gonna use her again like I, i just don't know Unless it was for like she was like the lead in one of those series, if she's like if she's the M of yeah the widows, you know what I mean. I never thought we were gonna see Zemo again. Like I have no idea. I I figured we would because like they like that in Civil War. Like they leave him in the jail cell and he's like kind of menacing and it, it feels like there's some unfinished business. Like I. I definitely thought we'd eventually see him in a sequel or something. And we got one of the great yeah, gifts of 2021. You know, he's not a Rachel Weiss level actor. Like he, you know, they can get him to like commit to a few things. But I don't know. I, I guess my biggest thing with, with her character and why I'm having a hard time picturing her place in future movies is just because she her character was just so thin. I don't I don't know why they would bring her back. I don't I don't I don't really see like I could almost, you know, what I can almost see them doing is referencing her death. Yeah. In, in lines, they're like, "Wow, you know, mom died." You know. Yeah. Like, or it's like David Harbour's really sad. He's like, you know, she died. You know, blah blah blah, and that's why we don't see her again. I can see that, but I do, I, I do think we see David Harbour come back. We see him donning his opening suit. I'd love to see David Harbour and um, and Bucky like in the same scene. I think that would be interesting. Because he would just be like, oh, yes, I remember when I beat up your friend. And Bucky would be like, who are you? Uh, Bucky and Red Guardian have probably met. Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like they've crossed paths for sure. Yeah, that, I don't know. It would be cool. That would be cool. I, would, I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Um, I would love to see, you know who I'd love to see him with? John Walker. That would be. Yes. That would be a powder keg waiting to happen. <laughs> so guys let's we're gonna wrap this up on a scale of one to ten um i don't have any gimmicky ratings this time on a scale of one to ten what did you, your overall thoughts on this movie and then you know your rating and overall thoughts on the movie uh, uh i would give it a solid eight out of ten i thought it was very entertaining and i thought it had a lot of good stuff in it i i think the best part of the movie is the opening scene and then everything after 
well, not everything after, because that's afterwards we get Florence Pugh and more David Harbour. But, you know, I, I feel like the best part of the movie was definitely the beginning. That was like, you know, the scene with them on the plane. That was great. Um, seeing, you know, that opening credits sequence I thought was very like haunting and, and, and you know, very interesting. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought there was plenty of good stuff in the movie proper. I, I felt like, it, you know, it had like a pretty generic Marvel third act where they're in a floating fortress and it's falling. I feel like that's happened in several Marvel movies already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of air air fortresses that fall. Yeah, I was <laughs> just like, I was like, okay, they really have never been able to find this thing with like the helicarrier, anything like that. It, it's, it's, well, they weren't looking for it. Well, but they didn't find it. They didn't just come upon it. Well, it moves all the time. Well, so does the helicarrier. Well, it's also I think Ross was head, you know, heading up that thing, and we've all seen that he, he's not, you know, efficient. No. Yeah, but I mean, when like Nick Fury was running Shield, like they were they weren't looking for it. They thought it was dead. She like, but that's a huge thing in the movie that like I find hard to believe. Like, how could they? think it was dead when they're still going around the world assassinating people they're in this flying fortress or yeah like maybe like you can't find it on radar but like a freaking plane's not gonna fly into it like come on okay i don't know why you're getting mad at me i'm not <laughs> oh, trust me i've seen mad that ain't mad um no i i get that it's just it's just a weird thing and then she's flying off to another floating fortress to go save the avengers <laughs> just like a lot of floating going on in this film yeah so i mean the, the, you know there's definitely like some things in the movie that i think are kind of like eh, but you know it, it was pretty good it's like a mid-tier marvel movie for me um i mean that's pretty good company it's you know i, I would rank it alongside an ant-man or uh i don't know Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> like like Ant-Man. Or Ant-Man 2. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it more than Ant-Man 2. Um, I liked it more than Spider-Man Far From Home. There's 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 several movies. I, I actually just time. saw that for once for the first time. It's it's not a bad movie. I enjoyed it. It's cute. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people did. I'm I'm not one of them. No, no, uh, no. I said it's cute. That's not exactly <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a it's a fun movie. Like it's it's got its faults. We could do another show on that one. Cat, uh, uh, scale one to ten, and your final thoughts. Um, um, in honor of Al, who's not here, my rating will be on uh, Black Widow spiders. I would give this seven and a half to like eight Black Widow spiders. So we're, we have like a half dead spider potentially, or a full dead one. Hopefully, they're all dead because Black Widows are scary. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought the performances were excellent. I liked the soundtrack. Um, like Cole, I really liked the opening. I like that it felt like a fun Mission Impossible movie where they're just running around like a vague European city. Cars are crashing. They're on motorcycles. Like I, I liked all of that. Um, it's definitely not without problems, but... Also, like, some of the problems are, like, not a huge issue for me. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah, some of it's hokey, some of it's silly, but I liked it. I liked, um, I like that it 
was very consciously a female film um, and didn't have a single like girls get shit done moment, which I hate in movies and which Marvel has done many times in the past. Did it two movies in a row. Yeah, it's just not not my favorite and none of that was really here. Um, Also, I know people would laugh at me for saying this, but I also feel like this movie was about something um, that wasn't just Marvel. Like, I feel like there's a lot of metaphors going on with you know, a single man controlling a large group of young women and forcing them to do things they don't want to do. I think there's a lot going on there. Um, a part of me also feels like there's some really excellent metaphor in that Scarlett Johansson was part of this experience by working for a man who was doing shit shitty stuff and she knew about it, but now she's trying to atone because she has done that in her career. I don't know if that was very conscious, but I like to think it is. Um, yeah. I so, just... so Drakeoff was Joss Whedon? Well, I, or... Well, I, <laughs> 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 you know, come on now. Or, or he could have been the guy, well, alleged, the alleged person who held this movie back from happening so many times. There was that whole story that came out about that. Yes. Wait, who's that? Uh, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk um off the pod um but yeah i i really enjoyed it i thought it was good um it made me like the black widow character more which is like weird because she's dead um also it gave us uh Lawrence Pugh and more of her family so yeah we stand I uh, am going to give it a seven and a half as well. I am going to kind of be in lockstep with our uh, senior writer, Laura Dengrove, who reviewed this movie and wanted to be on this podcast, but is currently flying to Louisiana. Uh, So, I mean, if one must, one must. Um, That this was a long-awaited Black Widow movie that, um, you know, felt a little late. And, you know, um, there's something missing here. Uh, It's very fun. I like watching this movie. Kat, a lot of what you said about the metaphors, they work really well, especially when it comes to the Drakeoff character. I felt the one thing that still just didn't stick with the landing too much for me was her trying to atone for her past. I never felt that Scarlett Johansson was given the opportunity to really um, act that out. And I think if she did, we uh, she's not a multi-time Oscar nominee for nothing. Yeah. And I think you could have given her a little bit more to do there. And I think would have added in you know, my comments about, you know, Need a little bit more to develop with the family structure of it, but there was, it's genuinely funny at times in a way that wasn't corny or ham-fisted or Marvel. Um, we do get this great character that Florence Pugh p- portrays for who knows how long, and I'm here for the whole ride. And again, this is a movie I'll revisit. It's a super fun movie. So I'm going to go seven and a half. Uh, again, it was an oddly placed movie because she's dead and there was a lot of like weird tightrope walking they had to do, but this is super fun. Go check it out in your local Cineplex because that's what the movie theater chains want you to do. You could spend $30 for it on Disney Plus or you can wait till October when it's free on Disney Plus. So guys, that's what we're going to wrap up here on the 67th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Cat and Cole, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. It's just my name, Cole Rothacker, R-O-T-H-A-C-K-E-R. I am going to add two things about about this movie. Um, it should have had Agatha show oh. up 
and been like, you're dead. 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 I would have enjoyed that. Wouldn't have minded um, it. Also, I, I love David Harbour as this character, and I hope to see more of him, but I am kind of disappointed that he is this character because I feel like he's the the only person I can think of who could play the thing in the MCU. And now, uh, yeah. Cole's really been talking about this for years. His fan cast of the Fantastic Four has always been David Harbour as the yeah, thing. I think he even has blue eyes, which you need to have if you're going to be the thing. I've, I've never gazed longingly into uh, Law and Order uh, alumni David Harbour's eyes. He was on so many episodes of Law and Order. It's ridiculous. I think he was on Criminal Intent twice as the main villain. Oh my gosh. With Donkos. Yes. Um, you could find me also on Letterboxd. Um, and my handle there is cat underscore wild. That's cat with a K and wild with an E at the end. Um, concerts are coming back. So I've been told. Hopefully they will. By everyone. Yes, by everyone, by the 5,000 emails in both of uh, Bill and Ryan's inbox every day. Which I, uh, you're like, did you get my email? I'm just like, I, I just can't at this moment. Yeah, I can't. Um, yeah. So, oh, you could uh, follow me on Instagram. Cat goes to shows. Um, when those when those concerts come back, what, whenever whenever that happens. As for me, if you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at Bodkin writes mostly stuff about wrestling and retweets from thepopbreak.com, uh, the site I've been running for 12 years now. And uh, of course, go to thepopbreak.com every single day. We're talking movies, music, TV, anime, pro wrestling, comic books, you name it. We're talking about, of course, follow us on Twitter at thepopbreak on Instagram, which we will be populating again once we get back to concerts at thepopbreak forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on facebook and we have a ton of podcasting networks let me try and get through them real fast you can find all of these on apple google anchor and spotify you can check out of course the socially distance socially distance you could find the tv break hub which has a ton of great television themed podcasts we have the breakcast which is kind of our catch-all which has a wrestling anime um movie uh movies a whole bunch of stuff in there and then we have, and the winner still is, which is our retro Oscar podcast and the way too early Oscar podcast, which is our way too early Oscar podcast, which we start right after the ceremonies end and we'd run until the ceremonies end. So that's what we're doing. Of course, remember we are off next week and we will be returning. First, we're going to be talking about Suicide Squad, our first like non-Disney plus thing in a long time. We're going to be talking, of course, about what if we're going to talk Hawkeye when it comes back, when it happens in the fall. I'm sure we're going to have a ton of other stuff. We're going to probably be talking football as well. So for Kat Manos and Cole Rothacker, this is Bill Bodkin saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you in two weeks.